Wow, guess what? It's an Askler! For the, for the hottest month of the year so far. June of 2021. Uh, welcome uh, to this podcast where we, the three of us, answer your questions that you submitted earlier in the month. I'm Beach, and with me on my left, your right is... Corey. Yes. I'm Corey. And on my opposite side is... Nelson. Great. Yep. We've dialed it all in. Uh, happy to be here and answering more questions again for you guys. Uh, and like everything we do, this and all the other things are brought to you by you, uh, thanks to your support at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. You can go check out, join the over 2,600 people now, I think. We had a huge boost of people join in and... Um, and you're like, you might look and be like, wow, they're, that's great. You know, they're making a lot of money. It's like, yes, because we have to pay like almost 20 people or more than 20 people these days. Like there's all sorts of employees and contractors and, and renting the moon base and paying for all sorts of other stuff. And you're helping to make that happen. And we really do appreciate it. Uh, it's we're, we're not the normal YouTube kind of thing, are we? Or at least that's what Big Lure wants you to think. <laughs> I pray for the day that there is a big lure. It's you, Beach. I'm, You're big lure. I'm big lure, yes. I'm, You're I'm the a big lure. They... <laughs> Burke Bigler. <laughs> I was I was told that we should at some point come up with those of us who are like I'm a, I'm the business manager and uh, Ian has been trying to push me to to adopt business Mazinger as my as my title. And and if we're allowed to choose our own titles, maybe I'll just choose Big Lure. Just, I love it when you call me Big Lur. <laughs> but this is also the fault of everybody who watches us on YouTube, which is where we ply a lot of our trade. And if you are, um, if you're watching this on the main channel, YouTube.com/slash/LoadingReadyRun, you can join the YouTube memberships. That's where we draw a lot of these questions from. As we ask everybody in YouTube, it's like this is your opportunity to ask us questions. So that's your that's your perk. You, you pay us some money every month that gives you a chance to ask us stuff and we will address that as they are being asked. And I guess we should just get started on doing that. Paul, what's our first question? What's your favorite summer snack to cool down? Asks Eric. Who wants to go first? Should I maybe do it? I'll do it. Okay. This one's a great way to start uh, a meal, start a gathering, and in this case, start a podcast. Beer. I find it really refreshing. It's not for everyone. Don't consume it if you aren't the legal drinking age or just if you're smart and want to stay that way. But it's how I like to cool down. Mm. Is beer that much more effective than, I don't know, water that's been cooled in the fridge? Not at all. Probably it's worse. It like dehydrates it you a bit and uh, kills your brain cells. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that it's the best summer snack to cool down. The question is, what's your favorite? Oh, that's a good point. This I may not... be drunk, but I'm also literate. That's fair. Uh, my favorite summer snack to cool down is uh, a big bowl of water that I set on the floor that I put my feet in. I'm not technically eating anything, but I can I only... was going to ask about that step. Like, what happens next? I can do your, only do, do your after... roots, like, draw nutrients I, and moisture Actually, my from feet it? have been softer 
than they have been in a very long time. It's like, oh, the skin of my feet is so nice. But I like, I'm one of those people that, I don't know if this is like neuropathy or what the hell this is, but I'm one of those people that like their extremities run hot and especially feet at night. I can't, I can't have hot feet and sleep with them, but they always turn out hot. So up, Corey's on the same. Yeah. So I have now taken to putting a giant tub of water in the fridge and then pulling it out and then trying to put my feet in it. And it's like four degrees Celsius and it's just absolute frigid and I get cramps in my hamstrings. I almost did that yesterday. Oh yeah. Uh, but I instead uh, settled for a ice pack and a towel. Oh. And also, I was gonna be like, "Haha, my favorite snack is water." Uh, but I, I was gonna keep like soft serve as a backup. So, like I really like ice cream. Right. Yeah, one one of like, us should have a food, cream. right? Yeah. I guess that's true. Like I don't. Is it a food if liquid? Like, is a solid liquid a food? Ice cream is a food. Because it, yeah, yeah. Because you can drink it, but, you know. But that's like the yop, right? Yop is like yogurt that's been thinned out to be a, or or kefir, I guess, is maybe a better way to take that. But like, you know, just because you can have a strawberry banana smoothie doesn't mean strawberries and bananas aren't food. So so ice cream's a food. Smoothies are also good. I'm not a slushy person, but I like like a smoothie. If I was going to respect the game, I would... I would go with watermelon. It's been a, a big, big time favorite. I like that you can get a watermelon that's like, like it's self-insulating, right? Like you can buy a watermelon at room temperature and take it home and then you just cut it. You don't have to put it in the fridge. And somehow it's kind of cold. Like a little, like, or it yeah. makes you feel cold. It right? makes you feel cold. Yeah, okay, I can buy that. I've never eaten like a watermelon fresh out of the field, so I have no idea if... Oh, well. You know, because, I mean, if you're going to go buy a watermelon, you're probably not buying it, like, on the street, right? You're buying it from, like, a supermarket where yeah. it's been already brought down to a certain temperature. But just out of a big cardboard box, like, not yeah. out of a fridge. Like, you're just buying it at room temperature. That's true. So, and then you take it home through the heat, and then you cut it immediately, and you're like, ah, refreshing watermelon. But like, wait, that's just room temperature food. How did how does it do that? Water ma- magic melon, it should be called. Water magic. <laughs> Let's get one clean take of that. It's magic watermelon magic. Every conversation we have with Nelson does not always devolve into magic, but this is one of them. So, magic, 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 magic. <laughs> it could have to do melon. with you know the heat capacitance of water, right? Yes. Like you're you're eating water. Yeah. So water is a food. Yeah, we're not going to get around it. All right. Man, it's funny because, like, I really like watermelon and have completely forgotten to get any watermelon for years. It's still good. Watermelon is a thing for me that parents buy. Yeah. It's a lot of effort. I sure hadn't bought one until I had kids. That's true. I don't think I ever bought a watermelon. Yeah. Until, until I had babies. Like, and you're like, you know what they yeah. love is this thing that I used to love, too, and ate all the time. Why have I stopped eating it? So Yeah, that happened. I wouldn't say salad is my favorite because it's your favorite, right? Like salad's a good way to cool down in the summer. Any eating anything that doesn't require a lot of like, um, a lot of like heat to prepare, definitely is a good thing to have. But uh, yes, salad's not my favorite. But I yeah, frozen yogurt, I guess is good too. Oh, we eat cold noodles all the time. Oh yeah. Oh nice. What is it? Soba. Yeah, zaru soba. I think is the yeah. cold one. Yeah. Do you like cook and prepare like pad thai or whatever, and then just put it in the fridge, or what no, do you do? You just eat them straight out of the freezer. Noodle, yeah, and you you immerse it in ice water after you cook it. 
Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, really and hot then, and then really cold. Right, right. There's a separate, like, dunking sauce that's also chilled. Nice. Okay. What do you have that with, normally? Oh, by itself. Oh, okay. It just, it's just, a... like, like, four human-sized servings of buckwheat noodles. Ah, okay. Just, oh! Like, you, you get, like, a big metal bowl full of noodles. You know what I love during the summer, actually, now that I think about it? One of my favorite favorite things to have when I'm having a meal in the summer? Cinnamona salad. I thought you weren't going to go with salad. I wasn't going to. I was like, salad's not the thing to do. But right, no, cinnamona salad, because it's not really salad. It's, it's, it's you know, it's a bunch glass of noodles. fish, right? Or no, it, well, it don't... can be, but it's glass okay. noodles and usually, like, cucumber and mm -hmm. sometimes crab or pollock. But it's all right. floating in, like, this really cold uh, vinegary sauce. It's not sauce, it's broth. It's a soup? soup? Dressing? It's floating in, in vinegar, rice right. vinegar or whatever. And it's like, always when they serve it at like some restaurants, when it comes out and it's super cold, it's like it's the best thing to have before a meal. For Japanese meal anyway, but yeah. Alright, All right, I've effectively weaved out. <laughs> okay, I think we did every part of that question. Great! Yeah. Corey! Oh, I, I can take this one. Oh, no, I was going to say Corey was going to read it, but Nelson oh, can perfect. read it then. Let's do no, that. No, okay, okay. Yeah, Nelson, tell us, what is the writing process for absurdist comedy? It seems like a much harder thing to write than observational comedy. I'm good at podcasts. Um, <laughs> so I hoped that I would be able to answer this. Like, I'm, I'm going to talk, obviously, but I hope that I have the right qualification for this. I feel that my work on, like, Friday nights writing crap shots counts as, like, the kind of absurdist stuff that we've done. So I'm showing up and I'm having the same kind of a work day, whether I'm writing absurdist comedy or writing, like, a, you know, a linear sort of sitcom situation, because we will do both in the writing memes that both mm -hmm. of you also have attended um, and regularly work on. So I wanted to say that, like, just to talk about our writing process at LRR, because I've really enjoyed it, and I'm a relative newbie, of course. Um, it's just like, it's really neat when you get an idea for something and you kind of think how you, you think you know how it's going to work and then you pass it into the meeting and then someone else kind of has a different take on it. And maybe doesn't have like, they, obviously they can't have the exact same point of view, but maybe has like a really perpendicular point of view to how this joke was supposed to fly. And then you, you know, you together, you end up with something like hopefully beautiful and funny, but like not what either of you were trying to do. My favorite example is just, we wrote a crap shot. I can't remember what it was called the lunch or the cheat day or something, but it was just um, two coworkers and one of them walks in on the other one at lunch and they're just eating a full head of cauliflower. And, yes. and, and my idea for that joke was just that that's going to be the joke. Like the, I'm just, I, I believe I brought I that stopped. one. Yeah. I brought that one in. It was just like, one person's like looking at what to have for lunch and I was like, I don't know, whatever. And then closes the fridge and then looks over and it's just like, someone's just mowing down on a head of cauliflower and that's it. And then they say like, are you, are you really eating that? Or sorry, are you on one of those fad diets? But then Graham came up with this idea to add, oh, 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 yeah, but it's cheat day. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just on like the opposite side of that where like now the person eating the cauliflower doesn't feel that what they're doing is part of their weird fad. Now they feel like this is what they're doing for fun. This is the, so it turned it on its head. So yeah, it's a group process, I guess, is the TLDR. I feel like the, um, um, 
anytime you write comedy, the, 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 there's always, you always go in search of the twist, uh, obviously, because comedy is just that, um, that defiance of expectations, but in a way that delights people when it surprises them, because the defiance of expectations can show up in like drama or in, in, you know, any sort of other things like a suspense movie or whatever we taught, you know, like, oh, you know, he was dead the whole time or, you know, the, the village is actually takes place and whatever, or the trees have been killing him or whatever. It's like those, those twists have always been like, oh, but that's in service of this dramatic horror plot or whatever. Whereas the twists that we want to write have to be, what's, the, what's the delightful idea of uh, what's the thing that when you hear it you realize oh I didn't I didn't expect that and you smile because you were like I didn't expect that that's what delighted me I mean a lot of people laughed at the happening as well I guess so I shouldn't really you know not call that comedy <laughs> unintentional comedy um, but yeah absurdist comedy whenever we like when we do the when we did the peel Corey yeah uh, and the idea of the long long setup that everyone knew you can see it coming and you're like well what do you do and it's like well an absurd take would be that we we play it out all the way to the point where he gets the banana peel and then he does step on it slips and he and he hurts himself because you take so long building that up that the expectation is he, nothing's gonna happen to this guy because he'll step over it and yeah, then or something something will happen but not getting punched in the face by someone dressed as a banana. Exactly. And and I think that's the thing is if you, it, when you kind of like start taking steps beyond like, what's the level zero to this joke? Well, we've all seen it because it's all, I slipped in a banana peel. The level one is like, is like, oh, well, what's the misdirect? What's the take it and turn it? And then if you kind of move beyond that, it's not about like, oh, we've, we've built a, we built a joke several layers deep. It's like, no, you've, you've webbed off in another way off of that zero joke to be like, this is gone in a completely different direction. And I don't know if observational comedy generally has that, that same kind of punch, but obser good observational comedy, I think is harder to write because you need to be able to take people along for the ride with you. Um, like I've listened to Cal Kinane tell these great stories uh, about how he told a story about how he bought a a life-size doll of a man from a real sketchy dude for 85 cents on the side of the road and he decided to put it in his buddy's uh in his buddy's bed in his roommate's bed because he would be like this will be great because it'll freak him the fuck out uh and how it starts is this dude burst out of the side of his van and went hey man you like halloween and the whole thing builds with this fever pitch of Kyle getting more and more stoned throughout the weekend while he's waiting for his buddy to fly back from wherever he's from. But every time he walks past his his roommate's bedroom, he gets scared by the dude who's in the bed who's not his buddy. And he starts to have paranoid fantasies. And the whole thing ends with his buddy seeing it and stopping for like half a second and be like, what the fuck is in my bed? Like he's not scared at all. And turns around and Kyle is just completely paranoid and fried by this point. And he just goes... You like Halloween? And that's the twist of the joke, right? Is let's like, he became the crazy dude that sold the thing. And I'm like, right. This long story that ultimately ends in a great twist that's just was already set up before. And I'm like, that's not absurdist in as much as that's just a really good, that's really good writing to get from end to end. It's of a thing that happened to him, a real thing. And he tells the story. And I'm like, absurdist comedy, I think works 
where you don't see the end bit coming or you weren't prepared for it because of the thing that happens earlier and you get a different kind of laugh. That's how I feel. I don't know if that's really the same thing. Yeah, like, uh, I think delight is really what I wish to aim for. Like, I, I just like weird words and word combinations and word flavors, uh, as well as, like, funny imagery, right? Like, you can't, I guess we could exaggerate real things that really happen to us. Uh, but we'd also need to have maybe more different experiences than we currently do. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I got You got to hand it to the people who have been like, who have been writing um, sitcoms to work with this because they recognize that this is a, such an unusual position that what can you do to make this um a funny element and actually utilize the um utilize the medium i guess to be like well how do we tell how do we do a funny sitcom story that isn't just like a bunch of people yelling at each other at a meeting or it's sad because they're alone yeah like... yeah <laughs> how do we find more beats more different flavors of this right yeah I think it's, uh, I want to get back to the group dynamic thing, because it's like, you know, the writing process can be a solo endeavor. And oftentimes, like, our sketches will start with one person having a mostly fleshed out idea. Like, they bring the idea, and they're like, I have this beat and this punchline, and maybe it's done. Maybe Sometimes everybody loves it. Like, for if Cam writes something, usually we just kind of tell him to write it down after he's told us, and then we do it. Um, <laughs> if I write something, I'm like, I have this and this, and then I was thinking, this? Is that good? And then Graham's like, no. But... Uh, mm -hmm. that's, but like for the absurdist part, it's like, if you have 10 people in a room, you can get away with like finding the right pockets of the weird, um, sense of humor. It's like, cause we, we've all got our own sense of humor and we might like absurdist comedy, all of us, like some of it, we're not going to, and not everyone's going to like, I think every, um, kids in the hall sketch. Right. But but like, you'll like some of them probably there's a few that are like, great. You think, and then there's some where you're just like. This is so weird. You could explain to me why it's funny, but I still wouldn't laugh, right? Yeah. But if you have the group, it's like, okay, if you just have two people in the same room out of like 10 people, or sometimes, geez, back in the day, 14 people or whatever, maybe, then it's like, if two of if two of those people are like, oh yeah, like one person's talking, the other person's laughing a lot, then you're like, okay, we've got, there's clearly something here and you get that feedback loop, you know? Yeah, what are people responding to yeah. here? Why do, we, why do we find it? I mean, we've never had to write scripts, I think, where we were like, ah, it's... I don't know why it's funny, but everyone else, I'm sure our, our fans will think it's funny. That's never, I think, happened once. I don't think anybody can write comedy in that kind of mercenary way. Right. Uh, I mean, unless you're a Hollywood writer and you just know that it's like, this has to, I know my audience has to enjoy this. It doesn't matter if I would enjoy this. Uh, let's, are we good then? Yeah. Another question. Yeah. Sure. Corey, what would you advise to someone interested in making digital music like you? Complete noob, but would like to start. Well, it's difficult to do it exactly like I do it. Uh, it involves years of trying very hard, not getting very far. But you'll probably want to start by looking at the Wikipedia page for uh, digital audio workstations or DAWs. Uh, and trying out a bunch of different tools. Like I collect tools that 
I'm not even going to like recommend. I just like I have like five different text editors. Nobody needs that. And I have a guitar I never use, so there's also that. And I have a bunch of synth stuff that I never use. But maybe someday, maybe someday, <laughs> all of this stuff that I have will be useful. It's but it's largely about the um uh it's largely about play, isn't it? Right? That it's like you get yep. struck with an idea and you're like, boy, I really would like to hear how that sounds. Very much so. Sometimes I get Ian to help me a little bit because I don't know anything about like bass lines. Oh, right. And I don't really have like a formal education of any kind, but I do know how to make uh, Adobe Audition, do text-to-speech, and do pitch bending, and rip apart a MIDI to get different instrument tracks and then use like uh, Ableton to swap what the instruments are. And I've been taking courses at, what is it? Audible Genius? Doing the building blocks thing. So I've done a little bit of trying to hear drum patterns All right, yeah, and yeah, repeat yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I've, it's funny cause I, um... Because I, I guess I have a formal music education since I took band for six years in in uh, in school, and then I played violin for years, and I also played keyboard for a year, and I like did all these things for many many years, um, and largely has not been that like all of that stuff was great, but in, in no way I think would it have prepared me to actually compose my own music or do anything along that line. Um, but I, I definitely like, uh, I, when I was in uh, jazz band, I decided I would tear apart some, uh, I wanted to play, I wanted to play some Sailor Moon songs because that's who I am. And so I, <clears throat> I tore apart some midis to try to figure out where are all the different lines, what can we do with this? Because a lot of them are mostly are rock songs anyway. Like, can we, can we compose something for our, our, our jazz band? And I would tear them apart and I would see what the midis, like all the different lines look like. And I'd be like, well, what am I going to get the trombones to do? Well, we're going to give them this part. They get the bass part, but now they need some other things to do. So they should have this part. And then I had to start moving things around and be like, the trumpets need, we can't all just play the melody and have a couple of people play the harmony and be done. It would be, it would be crazy. We need to move things around so that there's different energy in different parts of the song and stuff. And you start thinking about things in that way. And, um, yeah, it's it. That's when you're trying to do live performance. Obviously, when you're making digital music, it'll be purely digital. You don't have that that kind of uh, restriction. You can be like anybody can play anything, and it'll be great. So, and it was uh, it was a lot of work trying to understand that and trying to make sense of it. I don't think I'd want to go back to uh, making music or even composing music or like doing any of those th kind of things. A lot of hard, high, mostly unpaid work. <laughs> I, I have a formal degree in music, but I've like never touched any of the um, electronic composition side of it. That just like wasn't part of my degree, and I just haven't done a ton of music since university. Um, but I, you know, a lot of it I'm a big fan of. Like I, you know, I love that we have computers for making music now, and I will dance to the sounds they make. What was wait? That's so, my whole input. Hang on. Sorry. Do yeah. Like, do you have like a BFA in? Music? I, have a, I have a B Muse from Uvic. Yeah, I play the trombone, and I like can, I can perform at like a, I don't know, 
close to professional level. The, the fact trombone. that you have a degree in trombone, like that blows yeah. me away. I because I knew you played the trombone. I didn't know you had a degree in trombone. I'm like not bad at trombone. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah. And I have like written some classical and some jazz music. Not like a ton. Like, I didn't have to write a ton in school. <laughs> I've done a little bit of paid work as a musician, but it's like, yeah, it's it's a tough career, for sure. Um, and yeah, I would definitely would sympathize with anyone getting into trying to orchestrate for jazz band, like from scratch. Like that's tough. You it know, was, like yeah, it was tough. not. It was not a good outcome. Like rather, it was a, it was a, it was a, an acceptable outcome. I mean, I if you, yeah, if you if you got your jazz band to play a Sailor Moon song that you like lifted either by ear or because you had access to the MIDI files, uh, that's fantastic. Good for you. I don't like. I don't even need to hear it to tell you that it was fantastic that you did that. And uh, your band teacher was in love with you when they found <laughs> out that you did that. They were like, "Holy shit, this Brandon kid with the hair." He just put together a chart for jazz band. <laughs> he was he was definitely the, he liked me enough that he let me do it. That was the thing. And then after that, I'm sure it was like, wow, you actually really did it. Good for you. So, yeah, no, he was very impressed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Corey, you so you've done uh, you did the um, uh, the Vengabus remix yeah. that everyone enjoys. You did another thing though too that Serge eats the chicken. Right, Serge eats the chicken. Which is one of the things Ian helped me with, because... You need a baseline for it. Yeah. Uh, mostly, other than that, just, like, kind of just dirtling on my own. Uh, I think, like, a fun place to start for someone who, who doesn't even want to, like, invest in a big computer thing would be, like, one of these pocket operators. Oh, cool. That Teenage Engineering makes. What even is that? Making the play date. <laughs> this is just a little. It's got like a little sequencer in it, okay. and it is loaded with specifically like arcade noises. I just don't have the batteries for it right now. Okay. But you can do you can do a lot, and it's got some line out stuff, so you can sideload it. And the idea for that is you write a sequence, you write a melody that you like, and then you write like maybe a harmony that goes with it, and. Yeah. yeah, and there's also like live play stuff that you can do where you like twiddle the effects that are on different notes or patterns or things like that. Yeah, I definitely. They've got lots of different little little things. I would at some point like to get to play with one of those little pads that I see all the DJ kids with, where it's like an iPad, but it's just a brightly lit screen, and they like put their finger on it, and they can either tap it or they can move it around. Uh, Moog has some like iPad apps. Oh, nice! That you can do that have like iPad. chaos pads and stuff in them. Chaos pad is the word I was thinking. I think. Actually, I thought I'm we. Trying to think well, someone has one. Does Alex? I think may, sure, maybe. Probably. I know that I know that GarageBand for the iPad actually has a uh, a chaos pad style thing where you can like you yeah. can get stuff going and then you can be like okay now i'm just gonna play with like with a whole bunch of skrillex sounds and shit and make my own dubstep and it's which is all i i did that for like 20 minutes uh i picked it up one time and just started playing with it and i was like this is so fun you can make the kind of music that i don't enjoy this is really cool <laughs> well i know what i'm doing after this i already yeah. have rock band that's great i didn't know there was chaos pads on it uh let's yeah go. 45 minutes later can't find the chaos pad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what hobby or interest of yours are you glad to be able to keep as a you-only thing? No streaming, etc. No sharing it with the public. No letting anyone know that you ever would do this. I suppose. Thank you, Michael. Uh, 
I'm, it's funny. As far as hobbies go, like when I was in school, boy, did I have hobbies, right? Oh, I play this music and I, uh, I like to play video games and I read the comic books. And it's like in these days, I'm like, I don't have anything that I do anymore. Like I read a lot of manga online and I guess that's a thing I don't stream. So there you go, everybody. But I you do. talk about it constantly. Yes. I think that counts as sharing it. Right? I'm going to end up doing a thing at some point in this coming week, which maybe this will come out after the week. I don't know where I'm going to talk about anime a whole bunch. And it's like, but I stream that shit. So I don't know if I have anything left. I, I wanted to share that. Like, like when these questions went out, I don't think I had streamed Valorant much like maybe once before, but then I streamed Valorant for like three hours the other night. And I, I play Valorant like every week for three to six hours, something like that. in like little pockets whenever I can, but I hadn't been streaming it much because it's like, I know my viewers that on my home stream, which isn't super active anyway, but it's like people seem to be more interested to talk about magic, which makes sense. Um, but then I started doing that in my last stream went kind of well. So it's like the weird reality is like, you know, everything you do, it's like, it's your hobby. And then if you really like it, you're going to kind of, at least seems to be my track. And I think a lot of like performers and um, internet content creators is like, well, I'm just going to I'm just start working on this now and turn it into my job. And then naturally after that, you're going to start to hate it. <laughs> but the flip side, the flip side though, is that I think you, the listener and viewer like deserve some credit here because specifically our community is just like wildly supportive. So I think, and anyone in LRR, like, you know, we literally have a channel that's like, what game do you want to play? It can be anything. And we're going to let you have a stream where you play that game, like, three times a week for as long as you want. And, like, you can pick any game. It can even be Betrayal at Crondor. And then, like, you can just Who do that. that. You can do that for, like, 22 like sessions. <laughs> two, three weeks, maybe, of full-time work, kind of. Like, it's wild. And then the viewers will show up and will support you. And it's like, thank you, LRR fans. Eight hundred and fifty people showed up one night. I yeah. couldn't understand why. I what, think it was had, raids. They had a feeling that that was the betrayal night. I don't know. Maybe I, it was like way late in the game too. It's like all these people showed up and then they didn't leave, and I'm like, I don't know why you're still here, but great. Watch me, watch me farm for restoratives. I guess whatever. Hang out with you, Beach. That's yeah. what they're doing. They're hanging. Out. Yeah. I put a bunch of stuff in a jar, mm. and it died. Okay. This week. Is it, are they pickles? No, it was a pickle jar. Yeah. It's labeled as Jarfield 2021. Uh, there was some grass and moss and rocks. The rock and side there too? There used to be uh, it's like some a darkling beetle, some spiders, like five or six isopods, like had some of the milk cows as well as the, the armadillo ones. Holy crap. Like, is that that seems I like was filming it anyways to put online. That's so many things to put in a jar. Yeah. Are isopods well. roly polies? Is that Yeah. Okay, my kids pick them up all the time, but I thought maybe that was the same thing. They have a few They're books. a land-bound crustacean. Right. And apparently they're good for like consuming toxic minerals or something or like they're something. They yeah. eat something that like we really appreciate that they eat. They eat like decaying plant matter and fungus and stuff. That's... What? So, um, I didn't know you like to keep terrariums. Oh, yes. Is that, is is that something I haven't done in a long time? Okay. 
Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. I, whenever I hear about people doing that, it's always surprising me. I'm like, I don't know if I'd have the patience to let a thing like that, but I guess it's, you put it all together and then you just let it go and then see, look at it every so often. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. That's the intent. Just make sure you have a nice little balanced system, plenty of springtails, you know. An ecosystem. And then you take it up to 38 degrees centigrade. And... <laughs> so it's, it becomes an experiment at that point. It's like, how, oh, yeah. which of these things live? Ian was like, oh, you're now you're making a mold jar. And I'm like, I guess, oh. I guess I'm making a mold jar now. Oh, I'm sorry. Cold as ice, Ian. I, I feel like um, there's something about uh, doing creative work that maybe there's just something about when you do creative work that you, when you give into the variety of it, that you don't always feel like he, you know, like I, when I had an office job, being able to come home and do this stuff was my hobby, right? It was like, I'm getting paid for this, but also being able to, you know, go to Loading Ready Run on the weekends and do stuff was like, this is what I want to do is I want to make some funny stuff and make people laugh and have a great time. That's a great hobby to have. And now that it's my full-time job and involves a bunch of other things that I have to do as well, um, it's like, I get that creative part itched. Maybe I don't feel like I need, maybe that's why musicians can, even though it's a tough life, it's like musicians and artists and stuff are like, I'm willing to lean into this for as long as I can because it's, it's good. But I mean, I've also heard that, especially now um, hearing that animators are getting just shit on a lot that trying to crank out, if you're an artist or an illustrator or an animator, it's like, it's people are coming forward to be like, this is killing us it's driving us out of the industry because we're not getting paid enough to keep doing the work. And I'm just like, Oh, that's not right. That's unfortunate. It's hard to get money to spread around too. So yeah. Okay. Um, maybe yeah. not, maybe enough of the downer. Maybe we should go on another question. <laughs> Shit. It's like a weird flip side of mental health. Right? It's like the mental yeah. health can go either way. It's like, it's good for your mental health. And it's also bad for mental health. Yeah. Sorry. Holy shit. Yeah. I was like, Sorry. wow. Sorry. No, hey. that's good. The existential problem really gets to me. Yeah. Beach, you may have noticed this past year has been slightly totally awful for everyone. You may have noticed. Yes, I have. What have been your go-to comfort foods, whether homemade or shop-bought, to see you through the dark times? Um, I don't like to... One thing we did this year... <laughs> start with something more positive. One thing we did this year is because we knew we couldn't get out that often to do things is that I had said to Heather, I'm like, I think it is... It is good for us to uh, order out from a restaurant or anywhere local uh, once a week. Because normally she's going to Starbucks or, you know, we'll do this or we'll end up at like Ben Four with a bunch of people or like those kind of things. And we never used to do that a lot anyway. But it's like, we know we're not going to do it. Let's actually, excuse me, let's actually like eat out once, once, a, uh, once a week. And we kind of kept to that. It's just a thing to be like, this is a great way to interrupt whatever. And like... Then our favorite Chinese food place shut down for six months with no explanation. We, I thought they would never come back, but they're back again. So, so delivery Chinese food is kind of my, I really like that. I would definitely have that. And it's not like the fanciest Chinese food in town or whatever. It's from Young's restaurant on Quadra and it's so good. They do, they do such good stuff that we like. Um, but everything I cook is comfort food. I don't, I don't make like, 
you know, shallots and aubergine and like, you know, and lobster thermidor and like all sorts of complicated shit. I don't do that once a week, right? I don't, I don't even do roast chicken or roast beef. I used to do that like once a month when I was living by myself, just as a reminder of what I used to eat when my, when I was with my parents. It's like, no, it's like, we're gonna have curry tonight. We're gonna have curry tonight. We're gonna have hamburgers tonight. We're gonna have hamburgers tonight. We're gonna have like mac and cheese with beef in it. And I'm gonna like boil some broccoli and chop that up and throw it inside with the thing. We're gonna have a one pot casserole. I'm gonna do that. Like everything I make is a comfort food, which probably explains why I'm the size that I am. But that's, that's, I think that's part of what 2020 was like, is it's just like everything you, if you're not trying to do stuff to take care of yourself, to try to comfort yourself, then you're really gonna feel it. Who wants to go next? I can go. I can you mention the foods that I've been eating. All right. Craft dinner. Make myself some craft dinner when I'm feeling especially bad. Um, anything that's just like a massive carb load, like poutine. Yeah. 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 And then alcohol. <laughs> right. I forgot. It's a lot of alcohol. <laughs> Probably explains why I'm the size I am. <laughs> yeah, Beach has a rule of never drinking your calories. Yeah, it's true. That's all I drink. No, that's not all I drink. I drink a lot of water and coffee without anything added to it. Yeah, that's right. I drink black coffee too because I'm a healthy person. <laughs> how those people with the cream in their coffee? How dare they? <laughs> No, Shotguns a whole beer. Yeah, my yeah. parents went to like Keurig thing, and they're doing French vanilla Keurig, and then adding non-dairy French vanilla creamer to it. Why not just eat a cupcake? Well, it won't wake you up as much. I guess. Right? I uh, I definitely have been eating poutines, hamburgers, tacos, um, oh, yeah. cake sometimes, mac and cheese, bread, uh, curry. <laughs> Um, rice. Um, did I say tacos already? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. say it again. Yeah, I, I eat a lot of tacos. Like uh, we also order from our local um, franchises once. Uh, it's more than once a week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of comfort food and some alcohol consumption happening here. I don't know if I have really a, like a favorite or a go-to. Honestly, the go-to is taco time because Kendall likes it and they have something vegan. It's like, I have a bunch of vegan places I order from, like if I'm like during the day and I want comfort food, like I really like this burger joint that's all vegan. Um, and then, but there's nothing on the menu. Like Kendall just finds that like everything they make is gross for her. So like, oh. that's too bad, but I can get a burrito from Taco Time. It's fine. Marriage is about compromise kids. At least my marriage. Yeah. Maybe your marriage is about getting everything you want. I hope that works out for you. <laughs> I meant the viewer, not other. Okay, that's, oh. yeah. <laughs> it's like... I think we all know that mine involves sometimes there's a trumpet in the room next door to you for no reason. Or even though it's picked up by the microphone, a swanee whistle. Right. <laughs> or I just lit the volcano. <laughs> That's a comfort food that I did not get into at all in 2020, despite living in uh, in um, God's own weed farm. I 
Come on, like it's one of the few places in the world that's that where weed is legal, where weed's also named after the entire province. But yeah, I did not, as a comfort food, did not even partake of any uh, cannabis whatsoever. And I keep thinking that occasionally maybe I should just give that a shot. Just, you know, do that once a week, maybe. That might be fun. Why don't you lean into that a bit? I have not done any of that, so. You can just mail order it from the government. Yeah, know, you can right? order it on your phone now. Or yeah. I made yeah. a whole PSA about it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're over 18. I am over 18. Next question. Corey, go ahead. Y'all have been doing an entertainment thing for a while. How do you think the digital landscape has improved or worsened for content creation? And has the increased contact with the audience benefited or hurt creativity in any way? Well, you asked it, you answer it. Uh, there's certainly a lot more ways for direct payment from viewers to creators now, even though some of them are a bit messy. Uh, but like back in the day, it was like impossible to get someone's money from the US. Yeah. Even PayPal was a bit of a pain in the ass. PayPal was horrible. Yeah. I've had one forever and it's just, you just hear about people getting their accounts locked for no reason. Right. Um, increased contact with the audience. I think it, it helps to have a lot of immediate feedback and encouragement. Like it's, it's always very nice to hear from people. Yeah. It's not, it's like, I've, I've done jobs where it's just been like a feedback void where you're just alone working for hours and hours on a thing that no one will ever see and no one wants. But and there's a government maybe, grant for it. Yeah. It's right. just like, you just, you're on contract to do this thing. Yeah. And it means sitting in a room by yourself until you're finished. Wow. Uh, the thing that I like more is like the live panel shows at cons and stuff like that increased audience thing. I think having an audience at all is also very nice. Yes, that's true too. That was the thing about um, doing improv as long as we did at anime cons is there is a definite rush for that to just be like, we're doing shows and not because it wasn't just improv. We were also doing like the 99 yen challenge. We were doing yeah. all Doki Doki, I guess turned into that, didn't it at some point. And, and just the, the nature of getting a chance to entertain people in different ways uh, just even at the conventions was like this super great, like there's people out there and they love us. They're cheering and they're, and they're having a great time and they want to meet us. And they, you know, they think that we're so cool because we're doing this. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's super awesome. And, and now with loading ready run that the same idea of, um, seeing more from our audience and getting to interact with them more in a lot of different ways is a lot of fun. Uh, I think the only, um, <laughs> When, when I know that everyone's like, we liked X, give us X2, give us X3, give us X4. And I'm like, this isn't, this isn't necessarily the Fast and Furious movies that we're making here, right? Like, it's like, we, we gave you X that doesn't necessarily translate into, okay, so what's X2 going to look like? It's like, well, I don't know if we're going to actually even make X2. Um, but you all keep asking about it because I know you liked X and that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to make the second version of that thing. Right. And it's, that's that's the only real downside I find is because I'm like, I want to just yell at people like, please stop asking for the second version of something. If we're going to make it, we'll make it. And it's like, no, I got to let you be excited about the thing. 
because you're excited about the first thing. So you're excited about hearing about a second thing. That's great. That's the kind of like, you know, who, who I, painters would be like, when can I see the Starry Night 2? Somebody would say to a painter, right, to Van Gogh, and, he, and he'd be like, I mean, if people liked it, I guess I'd probably paint another one that's like it. Why wouldn't I, right? Like, the, people would be like that. That's just naturally how it is. It's like, if I know that I have a huge audience, they love the thing, why wouldn't I try to do more of the thing that they want? That's, and we now have a great way of hearing from people about how to do that. Uh, I think that the biggest downs, like, is for as long as we've been doing entertainment, um, I think that the digital landscape has, yeah, made it easier to get paid, like Corey said, and it's also made it easier to get ourselves uh, out there and noticed by a lot of people and to let the people who like us be able to meet with each other so they can actually create communities in that too. Because, you know, make no mistake, when you have a community based around the thing that the content that you make, that's where the, that's where the core is, is, is knowing that um, there will be people here who like to consume the stuff that you're making and they will be your, your greatest advocates. And we really appreciate that. Um, but I think also where the digital things made it worse is that because now we've democratized that so heavily, anybody can get into content creation. And sometimes I look at who's making content and I'm looking at the, the, the I'm looking at their view count or their, 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 their uh, subscriber count or any kind of count, any kind of number that's available to the public and thinking to myself, I'm like, why is it that that grabs so many people's imaginations and our stuff hasn't? And so where I think it makes it worse is that I'm like, there's so many people out there making so much stuff that I have to compare myself to now. And that's a very bad habit of mine. Bad, but common. Habit, yeah, I, we I all would, do it. I would add, yeah. Um, sorry, I don't. I can't really even jump into this question because I haven't been doing the internet entertainment thing for a long time. Uh, but yeah, I will. I will come. I want to circle back to what Corey said earlier about you know, Corey, you said like it's great to have the feedback as opposed to having a total feedback void. Yeah. But we all know that like um, for a lot of the really big content creators, like especially the people who have been uh, doing things before the time when content creation was more democratized or democratized and like everyone was doing it, like, you know, big mainstream media moguls from 20 years ago or whatever, who are still making content today. Like they don't read the comments, like, cause the comments are like, every time there is a comment section, it will be like a million comments long. And a lot of it will be vitriol. But uh, again, yeah, I want to say props to the core of LRR, um, you know, members and subscribers and listeners and viewers, like uh, the audience, like very readable comments. Thank you. That's also due to Heather. Oh, she, she she reads a lot of the comments, and if you're reading the Discord, she can't do anything about that. But the, our mods do a lot about that. Okay, but she does well, a lot to keep our YouTube comment section readable as well. Well, I always love thanking the mods, so I guess I should now be aware of how much work they've done for me yeah. <laughs> over the course of the years of reading YouTube comments. They've taken an so awful lot of uh, of emotional uh, labor on themselves. Right. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. Uh, do we have time for one more question, I think? Okay. Based on our opinions of each other and the other LRS people, what personas would you think fits the best? If you want to give your own after shoot, but let each person make your own guesses about you first. So I have not a full list, but I have some <laughs> impressions. One... He looked over at a post-it he has in his monitor. I did! <laughs> There's 
so many people. I like read this question a week ago or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I got a few ideas. That'll be fine. I'll answer that question. And then I literally like Googled like members of LRR and I was like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy. Yeah, yeah. They're... Who's Nelson? We have a website. Yeah, yeah. we do. I, no, I did. I literally <laughs> copy and pasted LRR wiki into a text so I could text um, script so I could be like, who's who? So I got half of these. All right. All right. <laughs> Paul, you are an owl. Not going to explain any of these. Kathleen okay. is a crow. Alex is a beaver. Cameron is a fox. Beej, you're a honey badger. Heather is an otter. Ian is a moose. Corey, you're a penguin. And yeah, and obviously I missed several several names, and I'm sorry I didn't immediately think of what your animal was. Slash, I couldn't decide who was the bear. Just couldn't. <laughs> I wanted. I didn't want there to be five bears. <laughs> we have a lot of bears and some otters, in fact. Right. Okay. Well, uh, yes. Graham, Adam, Ben, Matt, other Ben. <laughs> all bears. You're all bears. Serge, you're a cougar. I have, I, I have heard, I have heard that, uh, uh, according to the community, uh, Graham would not qualify as a bear. He would qualify as an otter, but that's a different sort of. Oh, that's well. not technically a persona. That's just a different terminology. All right. Fair. So. All right, honey badger. That's interesting. Yeah, that's where I, that's where I've got you right now. I'm just glad I didn't get paired with skunk. No matter how horny I am, I don't I don't think that I deserve to be a skunk. Maybe if you had the same length, but Adam's available salt and pepper action. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of there. It's hard to see it because it, it tends to get covered up otherwise. But no, there's a very there's a very uh, the one thing I know about the fur community, and I say no in in, in heavy air quotes. Mm -hmm. Is that if you meet somebody who is who is playing as a skunk, uh, they are very horny, twenty four seven. So you need to be careful of of them because they are that horny all the time. And I'm like, I was unaware that was the thing. Not that they're I horny in like were a destructive way. Based on Pepe Little Pew, like <laughs> Looney Tunes. I thought you were like, well, I know what skunks represent. Yeah, and I'm like, but they're just like cats that eat bugs. Come on, and walk under and walk under wet paint and get a big stripe down their back. Yeah. That's all it takes to be a skunk, it turns out. Anyways, Beach is a wombat. Okay. Okay. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. I have an unusual mechanism for making cubed poop. That's it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Didn't they just solve that recently? Some sort of Play-Doh Fun Factory type thing they got going on. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I, went, I saw a wombat for reals in, in, a, in, a, in an enclosure, and I was unable to see it poop, and I wished I had, because I would have liked to have been able to observe... But no, it doesn't poop for like paying customers. I just found out today there's a, a marmot that lives in front of the Empress Hotel. I tried to see it. I, it was you know hiding, but apparently it's there. Like they, it's an institution. That's really yeah. weird that we have Ro a marmot. Roger the marmot. It's next All to right. next to the honeybees. The How long has Roger been around? <laughs> Forty or fifty years? Like maybe that marmot is dead, and they're just telling everybody it's still there. I think, I think it was like 10 or 15. Okay. Yeah. I don't know but, how long a marmot lives for. That's right. Yeah, maybe. On the prairie, it's like two to three years because they inevitably get hunted by uh, by right. coyotes or... Um, birds. Birds. Yeah. Right. Birds. Fair we enough. have a lot of birds. Did we pick a did we pick a fursona for Ian? Because that's how this works. Oh, I... Nelson I, said moose, which moose? was just like bang on. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ian's got this like, you know big powerful and like 
seems to barely be in control energy. Very like, affable. Kind right? Of. Like, like you're listening to him and it's like, well, he's on rails, I think. Like, he's going yeah. somewhere, right? Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. he's driving. But, like, but it's jangly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's my take on it. So, yeah, I, we need to get him huge antlers for his fur costume. Do any of us have any other guesses about anybody else? Or do we want to just give what we think our own were supposed to be? I could kind of see Adam being a raccoon, actually. Yeah? He would probably like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think of him as kind of sneaky. <laughs> Sorry. I know silence is bad for a podcast, but I'm just trying to picture Adam as a giant raccoon washing his stuff. That's okay. Why don't yeah. we... Why don't we fold this question into the next ask slur? It's so great. It's like <laughs> just, this question. We can we can get a lot just back out forward, of this question. Just evergreen I idea. So. Yeah. I like the idea that the what fursona you know best suits which slur folk is uh, can be a well that we dip into in the future. And I I've delivered a, a reasonable intro introductory foray, but perhaps in the future we'll get to see someone come back with some more closing fursona arguments or I, or just stirring the pot or being offended. I wonder I wonder if it's fair. Is it more fair to choose your own fursona and everyone has to deal with it or is it more fair to let everybody pick your fursona for you because it's a it's a it's a fairer representation of who you are as a person because there are a lot of foxes and wolves out there. Hmm. Uh and and I'm like there can't be that many foxes and wolves like people-wise. Like, I saw a wolf give very good feedback at a post-con panel about the running of the event, and that was lovely. Mm -hmm. They were very warm, too. They were. That's uh, part of what the complaints were about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. Uh, it was amazing. There, I was like, hell yeah! Like people were like kind of giggling a bit, and I'm like, no, this person has legitimate complaints though. Like, yeah, listen, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's just, yeah, you're right. Let's just wrap it up here. Uh, I want to thank uh, Corey Nelson. Thank you for both being on the Askler this month. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, again, if you are interested in posing your own questions to the Askler, the panel rotates all the time, so the three of us will not be on it next time. Uh, it'll be three new people. We'll let you know who those people are going to be. Go to youtube.com slash loadingreadyrun. You join the YouTube memberships. That gives you the opportunity to pose us the questions for the Askler. I uh, also want to thank, uh, or go check out the Patreon as well, patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Uh, but you can also go check out our store for merchandise. It's store.loadingreadyrun.com. I want to thank Paul Guess for doing the production of this. Uh, thank you to the editing team for editing the things because they'll have to be edited. And we will see you again next time on Askler. Mm -hmm.